Hi everyone, welcoming me into Humans Behind the Business Podcast. It's Anna, and today again in new episode, I have a very special guest, John Heinstein. He is an entrepreneur, a very talented entrepreneur. Today he's helping others, entrepreneurs of course, to sell their business. With me, he will share his wisdom, his tools, and his journey. Let's say hi and welcome. Hi, John. Welcome with me into Humans Behind the Business podcast. I'm very glad to have you today. Just to know, I already recorded the introduction and I introduced you as entrepreneur and someone who's very interested in helping people to sell their businesses. First, the first question, are you okay with this um, introduction? It's great. It works for me. Maybe do you want to add something? make it richer no yeah i mean i can add a quick bit about my background which is i started in as an agency and when we talk about like careers and stuff i started in design and we were doing web design web development seo for a handful of local businesses and then eventually some startups and so we went from doing that alongside of building a software company a software as a service company and exited that in 2020, sold it to a private equity company, um, and then eventually got into M&A, so helping people sell their businesses. Okay. And I also just, yeah, own a small collection of SaaS businesses now as well, just uh, one in AI and then a couple in very kind of boring niches. <laughs> okay. I don't think there is like some boring niches, but like, yeah. Okay. Um. My, I have a traditional question in my podcast, and um, it's why did you accept to be my guest today? Uh, so the main reason was Noah, my friend Noah, was on your pod, and uh, he thought that it might be a good fit. And so I trust his recommendations, and um, yeah, that's why I'm here. You, you are welcome. Actually, it was like very enjoyable episode with Noah. He's a very interesting uh, person. Okay, let's go back to what are you are doing. Why did you start actually in design? It wasn't planned. It was just something that I got into and I had some sort of natural inclination towards. I mean, I, I had no experience with it initially. I was trained by somebody uh, as an intern at um, a local company. So somebody helped me learn Illustrator, uh, the program Illustrator, as well yeah. as InDesign, which is more like on the print side. And I started playing around in, in, that, in that world and it really became clear to me that it was something that I could really enjoy doing, at least at the time being. It was something I really, I found to be satisfying, the creative part of it, um, the kind of wrestling over the details was super fun, the colors, the you know different formats that you'd have to kind of use to make things uh, work on print versus the web, which at that point I didn't have very much exposure to web design, but early on it was mostly logo and print design and it was super fun. I just found it fascinating. It is fascinating actually. I think like it's one of the things I can't do, it's design. I I never like, I tried many times. So I can't imagine, but I'm not really good at the, the technical side of it, but like, after the internship, you you went like, you started being like uh, working for this person, or you went to create uh, your your agency directly. No, so I was working for a company for a few years doing 
uh, design in-house for them. And I didn't have much formal training. So I went to college for music, music education. And I realized I didn't want to be a band teacher. So I, I got into advertising, which ended up being a journalism major. I thought it was going to be more visual arts based. I mean, obviously, I just didn't know a lot about what I wanted to be doing then. So I, I was just kind of hopping around between ideas and different uh, potential paths. And I ended up being full-time at my brother-in-law's company doing the graphic design there full-time. And that kind of eventually opened up other opportunities to do things like photography within the business, which was things that I would do on the weekends, uh, doing wedding photography, videography, those types of creative things. That led to my next job, which ended up being a, um, it was supposed to be a project manager role. Again, I had no business being a project manager. I didn't know what to do. And I bought a, a book about how to do it, I think at the time and like a textbook <laughs> that's like how bad uh how, how little i knew but anyways I, I had gotten into this role and then i got pulled over to be a part of this incubator accelerator program venture capital kind of situation where they raise money for startups and yeah. they were funding a bunch of startups in the area and they're like oh you can do design work great like you can do that for these companies and ended up with the role, like the job title of director of marketing, but basically what it meant was I was working with the startups there to help them with the branding, copywriting, some design or some web yeah. design, those types of things. Actually, I have a question. Um, what are the qualities that like are common between designer and someone who is today helping people to sell their businesses? Because you're What's the correlation? You? No, the qualities. The qualities? Yeah, because you have a lot of qualities, you know. There. I don't know if there's a lot there. I, I think that with selling businesses, it's really about problem solving and creative problem solving and negotiation. There's a lot of psychology involved. Um, I, think, I think the design aspect of it doesn't really play into what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day anymore. But I think it was a good foundational thing for me to learn web design, which then led me to get into programming. So... All these little steps along the way have been you know, good, useful skills to have, um, whether that's, you know, launching a new brand or you're trying to, you know, buy a business and, and, and make it better. All these skills that I've picked up along the way are really useful in that. And on the, on the selling of businesses, brokering businesses, M&A, that's not useful at all, really. Like you're, you actually have to be better at Excel than you, you are at um, design. So that's not related, but I think, just a creative approach to trying to solve problems is probably related in terms of skill set. I like the the fact that you mentioned the baby steps because it's it's really interesting actually the uh, how can you say it in French say cumul uh, cumul like uh, we have like a lot of small things that comes together and like they, they create a big thing. I don't know how we, how we call it in English but like uh, a boule de neige uh, en français. It's it's very interesting, but before like starting selling businesses, you done your own one. How did you start it? I didn't actually personally start it. It was my started by my co-founder Ben, and he had built the business around an idea that he had seen somebody else do. So he had direct competition with the company, which was called Zoom Shift. It was to help people schedule their employees, and there were a couple other solutions at the time. Um, 
This is over a decade ago now. There's a couple solutions at the time. Uh, and he was looking at building this business partially because he wanted to flex his programming skills. He was a newer, newer programmer and he self-taught programmer and he wanted to build a portfolio around um, this business because it's a challenging thing to solve actually when you have multiple schedules and you're dealing with times and um, availability and all these kinds of things. It's actually very complex. So he built the, the first version, won a business competition uh, through his college at the time, which was Marquette. And we met at this accelerator incubator and we were kind of sitting alongside of each other when that eventually shut down. So that had, I'd worked there for maybe six to eight months, business shut down. It wasn't my fault that it shut down. And it was uh, me and him sitting next to, or him and I sitting next to each other. And um, we ended up trying to figure out what was next. And that's how we spun up the agency as a way to kind of bootstrap and pay the bills for um, ourselves. I just had my first kid. Um, and so we did that to kind of pay for things. But in the meantime, we had zoom shift, which was something else we decided to partner on as well. So we partnered on the agency as well as the software product. And that allowed, uh, that kind of grew in the background slowly. We'd get new customers every month and eventually got to a place where it was too big to ignore. And so we decided to go full time into that. But that I'm was... trying to understand it. Like. What pushed you to start being in mentorship and stop being an employee? Uh, it was kind of on a necessity, honestly. I So I really had a couple options at the point where the other business shut down. I could try to get another job, leverage my experience mm -hmm. at the incubator to get another job, or I could take this risk. And for some reason, probably just uh, being naive and, and whatever, but th this was an opportunity that I saw to to try something different and see what happened. I honestly didn't give it a lot of thought. I probably should have, um, especially having a, a new baby and like yeah. a, a family to support. But we had money saved and I was thinking, hey, we, I have some runway here. Let's try this out, see what happens. Uh, and a little irresponsible, but I just felt like, hey, there, there's something here, let's figure it out. Mm. I'm asking this question because like, I know like, three types of people. The first one is you, like people who just like try, want to experience things. The second people like who are today employees, but they feel so safe. They don't, they are, they are like kind of afraid from going through entrepreneurship um, or any kind of other experience next to their job. And the, the third people who are indie hackers, they are like, They working for someone and they are trying to build something next to their business and they think <laughs> i don't know how to <laughs> to fit me as a person in this but like uh it's very complicated and it's like one of my mission my things is really to help people to just like show them that you can do it it's not like that complicated are you okay with this or do you feel that starting an entrepreneur enterprise or like startup or whatever is very complicated i don't think it's complicated i think it's it's probably more complicated in our minds than it actually is in reality i think like most things in life it's pretty simple it's but it's not necessarily easy so i think that um it's straightforward in what it requires it's not always 100% clear and i think that's what makes it difficult for a lot of people to take that action is it's 
you can get all the information and you can um, do all the research, but that doesn't necessarily give you the conviction that uh, you need to take the action and, and, and see results from the action. That's the only way you're actually going to know if there's a there there, like to, to know if it's actually viable. So I don't think it's terribly complicated. You know, there's a lot of, there's so many resources there to help somebody get started. Maybe too like many. What? Maybe that's, maybe that's the complicated part. Um, lots of resources around like how to find your first idea, how to set up an entity, how to do a partnership. I mean, there is just a vast amount of information, whether it's from a, a venture capital firm like Y Combinator, or if it's from indie bootstrapper kind of folks like Rob Walling at, um, you know, startups for the rest of us and, and microconf. Um, there are just almost too many resources to help people get started. I think it's actually more difficult once you're started and you're, you're trying to continue to grow and you run into your first plateaus. Those are, are more challenging spots to be. Mm. But getting started to me, for me personally, uh, and this is probably just my archetype, my personality, that's not the hard part. Uh, you know, I can, I'm happy to try something but new. But don't and... you think that like, it's maybe easier in some parts of the world? Or some, or to some people, men, for example. Mm, I don't think so. I think no. like, no. I mean, some of the even when I look at the competitors that I've come across in in the industries I've been in, some of the the best ones are not in the U.S. Um, about men versus women, I'm not really sure. I think uh, when you look at the actual uh, breakdown of that, it's probably heavily men. But um, it is actually heavily men. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think that the, uh, the opportunity does not exist for people in other countries or uh, for women. I don't think that that's true. I think that the opportunities are there. I don't know why it is like this now for the moment, but actually I noticed that there's like in the world, for example, in my podcast, I recorded the, like majorly it's, there are men, even if it's uh, always um, going in, in this experience. I think it's a really interesting point to talk about because it could help some women just to do things. Like life is so short. Uh, entrepreneurship or being an employee or do whatever you want. It's like just life. Just just enjoy life and do whatever you want. I will go back to the word um, you said, like two things. You said open. You were open to new experiences. And you said opportunity very interesting uh, how like can you notice an opportunity i think that can be trained i think it's looking for problems that people have including yourself and this is a very common um thing that people use to look for opportunities within their own day-to-day But I think it, it takes an eye to notice and I, th i think you just have to be aware of Um, when you hear people struggling with things or when you are struggling th with things, you have to have an awareness around that. And you have to think, um, you have to pause when you start to see people running into problems, including yourself. And that's not easy to do when you're um, in a routine. It's not easy to notice all the things that you may struggle with. Um, they may just be nuisances. They may be small annoyances or they could be big problems and you're just not thinking about them in a way to approach them with like a business lens. 
So for example, uh, you know, I'm in Notion all the time. I don't know if you're familiar with Notion. Yeah, I'm, I'm using Notion. Yeah, I'm in Notion a lot. And some, one of the points of friction in there is, you know, for a long time, I was, I was adding uh, a date to every single one of my meeting uh, database items. And it was kind of frustrating because all of my sorting was based on the date descending, like when my last meeting was. And sometimes it would just be missing, like I would be missing a meeting now, and I, it was really frustrating to me. And I just dealt with that for a while and just kept doing it, kept tagging it, kept tagging it. And sometimes I would do it, sometimes I wouldn't. And it wasn't until like a week ago or something that I realized that every single database has a created time that like, you know, it's when it's created versus, um, you know, a date field that you just assign. And so instead of doing the... Uh, uh, using like the date field that I had put in there myself. I just used it to create a time and that was the problem solved. But I dealt with that for a while. I assumed it was just some annoyance that couldn't be solved. And I think that those, I mean, that isn't like a business opportunity, but that's like something where if you can recognize those areas of friction, those areas of annoyance, those areas of pain, the areas where, you know, you're potentially losing money if you're running like, let's say an ad campaign or something and you're, you're losing money and you can't really figure out why. Um, those are all points of friction. And then I do think that there's just some major categories that every business, every, uh, if you're going to sell the businesses, every business kind of has pain around or, or things it cares about, which is getting new leads in, closing those deals. This could be automated or it could be with a salesperson and keeping the clients. So retention, those are kind of like the main things that all businesses have a need for. And the main pain points. Yeah. yeah. And so you're going to have various ways to solve those problems, whether uh, you want to offer a service that does, um, you know, cold emailing or social media marketing, or, you know, it could be like top of the funnel things. It could be conversion rate optimization. Um, and it could be, you know, like, uh, churn prevention or, or whatever it is. And then there's services that live inside of those that can be software, totally automated. And then there's services that require a, a human element to them. So there are tools then that assist in every aspect of those businesses. Yeah. So I think even just looking at those categories, there are a plethora of tools that you can choose from. Um, and you don't have to necessarily be the next notion. You don't have to be the next... Um, you know, massive productivity tool. I actually think that's a very difficult category. You can be uh, looking for pain in the edges of those solutions versus. But like do you think like noticing pain it's enough? Because, for example, a lot of my guests talk about passion. They need to be passionate about something. Maybe there's like I can notice like some pain points. For example, I ate a lot of exercising and I know that I spend money in specified specific way and I know that it could be improved and I can get some money from there but it's not my passion do you think like people or anywhere anywhere anyone should be passionate about um, the problem they're, they're solving I think it helps but I don't think it's something that you should require of uh, of an opportunity if your goal is to make money and find financial freedom. If that is your goal, then I think the the point of that is to find an avenue, a path for uh, that you can actually succeed in. If you have a passion for what you're doing, you will have 
a better chance of succeeding because you will be willing to stick it out when other people won't because you care somewhat about the problem that you're solving. You care somewhat about the people that you're helping. So you have a higher likelihood of success if you care about that. However, I don't think that's a requirement for somebody who's trying to get into entrepreneurship or trying to build something because what is your ultimate value? If your ultimate value is to have some sense of freedom, which that's a a majority of the reasons why I feel like most people get into entrepreneurship is the, is the freedom and the financial reward, then I don't think it really matters. It matters more along what opportunities are available to you that you can actually exploit yourself personally um, and actually have skills to, to do. Those should be the main qualifiers. And then, yeah, if you can find something that also checks the the box for you personally, I think that's great. Um, I think that'll help you endure, which is obviously very important. But now that you are like working with some businesses, some people like in in this, do you do you feel like as a I can say experts that helps people to to sell their business that the majority of those people are passionate or not? It may start out that way, but eventually everybody loses interest that comes to sell their business. Typically it's for an, uh, usually what people do is they build a business, they spend years on it mm-hmm. and they either get tired of it. They get, you know, something changes in their health or their personal situation that requires them to change, make a change if they're going to sell their business or they're looking for a big paycheck and they really do love the business. They consider it their baby, but they need the money and they want to move on to the next thing. And those people are actually the most lost after they sell their businesses. The people who are in the best position, I think, are they acknowledge their strength and their skill set. Like they acknowledge, hey, this I'm really good at going from zero to one or I'm really good at going from one to two, like buying a business and then growing it and selling it. They recognize their strong suit where their skills really align. If they have an affinity towards the topic or the whatever they're doing, great. Like that's wonderful. If they don't, it's okay too, as long as it fits within what their skill set is and what they can bring to the table. So I see businesses all the time where the business, the, the person started out passionate about what they were doing. They were maybe even building the prototype in their garage. They were traveling places, whatever, whatever it was. And that passion eventually goes away for, for them. That, that, that's not to say that that happens for everyone, but it's very common, especially for entrepreneurs who are, Uh, willing to start and take those risks to get bored and want to move on to something else. With that in mind, I, I think it really gets down to what are you capable of? What what can you do? Start with that. What problems can you solve? Uh, what what problems have you uh, are you hired for at your job or have been hired for? Again, these are boring things, but like uh, it's a it's a place to start versus just. Hey, what am I passionate about? Oh, I'm passionate about photography. Okay, well, you won't probably are not going to be passionate about photography after you've shot like 50 weddings. Like I, I wasn't anymore yeah. after, I, you know, <laughs> I started in photography and I was like, this is wonderful. And then I really want to get out of it once I got burnt out with doing weddings. So um, yeah, it can be helpful. I don't think it's required to be passionate. I don't know, actually. I, I always do things I'm passionate about. I don't know. I, can, I cannot like do things. Uh, after all, it's personal, you know. I can't like spend time on something I don't like. That's why I'm doing podcasts. I really enjoy talking to people. But let's go to selling businesses. Um, how do you choose the people you work with in this field? 
so most of it has to do with uh, what my schedule looks like and if I have a good connection with the person because think of it like a partnership, but a partnership at the, not at the beginning, but at the end. And so um, there has to be good alignment there. There has to be a good fit. I've worked with sellers in the past who um, we just don't connect. And there's, you can usually tell that on, a, on your first conversation with somebody. Sometimes it's difficult to tell that, but yeah, it's, it's getting a feel for what is the conversation like with them. Are they receptive to my feedback and my ideas? Are they going to be really difficult to work with? Do they have unrealistic expectations? Do they really want to sell their business? A lot of my first call is just ensuring that they actually do want to sell their business and that they don't want to just, you know, continue building it. So yeah, it really gets down to personality and willingness to, to work together from both sides. It's very interesting because I expected like, um, you will mention, for example, the quality of the business, the quality of the products, like the potential that could uh, this business have, but like you, the, the only thing that it is important to you is the personality of people. It's the most important thing. The business still has to be sellable because we only get paid if the business sells. So it still needs to sell. It still needs to be a sellable business, but I would rather work with somebody where, um, I have a good relationship and a good rapport with them and it's a smaller business and it's, 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 you know, less of a, a deal for me. If the person is, is a good fit, I would rather do those than a deal where maybe, yeah, you can make more money, but it's the person is just going to be very difficult to work with. Is it interesting, but what do you consider a settable, uh, uh, startup or product or so sellable business, the way business. I look at it, yeah, at this point, um, the world that I live in is a profitable online business. That's the businesses that I work with. So businesses with zero profit or where they're burning money, uh, I don't really work with those folks, but if there is some profits and there's opportunities in the market to continue to grow um, or to sustain, then it's a sellable business. Actually, I think the majority of um, for business today, the online business, are not like are really burning money, and uh, because I I noticed that um, the community, for example, of indie hackers that I really like actually grows like so fast. A lot of people are trying to build online, to work on digital products, to find to find problem to solve. But it's not easy to start being um, like to earn money really. Why? Because I feel that those people are really like um, their skills are so technical. Because for, for, for me, a business is like a little bit of marketing, a little bit of technical. You need some uh, whatever, like uh, salespeople. But do you have like an opinion about that? Um, an opinion on, on what part of it? I'm sorry. On the indie hacker community that are building products, um, just their own, without uh, collaborating with the uh, salespeople or marketing, mm. so like uh, as uh, specialists or those uh, other specialties. I think it's very difficult to make anything very successful. I think indie hackers have a 
propensity to jump from project to project and look for ways to you know start new things all the time i think that keeps them creative and it helps them uh yeah you know like just scratch that itch and might be something that they are more passionate about like the next month but i think the people who are very successful with this um, stick to one thing and they can find something that works and they just build on that and eventually that becomes investing more in marketing you know equally hopefully equally in product and marketing when it comes to other business models like you know content websites websites around media and advertising e-commerce other business models those generally you just need to make a bigger investment into well in the content business into the content itself you have to make a larger investment which takes time for that to evolve and for you to get the rankings and the traffic to get adver advertisers to put uh, on your site. And then on the Amazon side or selling e-commerce, you need to make investments in inventory. Yeah. You need to make some bigger bets there with your cash versus just your time as an indie hacker. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, everybody's going to have a different opinion about how they want to do business and that's okay. Like everybody has a different value about what is, what their goals are. With your point of view, how do you think people should do business? Well, the way that I like to do it and what yeah. I, yeah. what I pursue entrepreneurship for is the freedom to build stuff that I enjoy with people who I enjoy. Like that's, that's the whole reason I'm in this game and the whole reason I still like to even do um, selling businesses and helping people on that side is because I want to work with interesting people and I want to build interesting things. And I want to keep doing that for the foreseeable future. I can't tell somebody that that's what's right for them. But my point of view is that let's say you make a lot of money doing what you like to do and you sell your business or whatever it is. Like eventually, if you're a builder, you're probably going to be back tinkering on something else. So instead of like trying to just get to this place where you sell all your you sell your business and you make a bunch of money and you just don't do anything i think the goal for me at this point is to how do i continue doing this successfully for a long period of time with people that i enjoy playing the game with that's what's more important to me right now in, mm -hmm. my, in my stage of my career i don't I have no desire to build a billion dollar startup. I have no desire to play that game of trying to raise funding and, and be on that hamster wheel. I have no desire to be like, I don't know, a, a mega influencer or anything like that. What I enjoy is getting up every day, having freedom on my schedule and my calendar is filled with interesting people who I want to talk with or help or a number of things to do on businesses that I enjoy like thinking about and working on. That's what I like. And, and then obviously like the financial aspect of that is that having enough cushion and enough buffer and enough margin that a majority of my lifestyle is covered. And so and, I don't really yeah. And yeah, I so you have like, your lifestyle covered. I was about to talk about this margin because like, I think one of the most like hard pain points that we have today that's like we the financial things are not easy to manage in say for example like young people everyone actually use money you mentioned savings like i think two or three times in our call today what can you tell to people about like how to use money money to me is a tool that 
you know, helps facilitate things that you want to essentially vote with something that you care about that's important to you. It's a value exchange. Having a lot of money affords you the ability to vote in many ways on what's valuable to you, what you care about. I think once you get beyond a certain level of comfort, it doesn't really matter too much. I think that you can always chase more if that's what you care about, but it doesn't necessarily lead to a happier life, in my opinion. I think that money is a tool. It's a great tool and it's something that you can use and Actually, I influence. think like the hard part in money management is to define the essential things. Because like we enjoy a lot of things. For example, we can enjoy shopping. We can enjoy going to restaurants every single day. We can enjoy maybe traveling like and like traveling away every week. But I think like um, essentials, I cannot pronounce it, things are like very different from someone to other person and they're not really necessary. Are you okay with this? Did you get my idea, my point? Are you saying that money is difficult because, or management of money is difficult because there's no clear definition of what is essential or not? Yeah, for me it is. Yeah, I mean... I think the when I when I talk about essentials or covering your your comfort, what I'm speaking of more is having the margin to feed yourself well, to have a place to stay, yeah. um, you know, a good a place to stay that accommodates your your everyday needs. So food, clothing, board, room, board, um, and some luxuries to be able to um, afford to yourself that you know help make your day feel a little mm. bit better. That's kind of how I look at the essentials, but everybody has a different idea about what that means to them. And so I think like, instead of trying to place an expectation around like, this is exactly how you need to live. I think it's, you have to evaluate that for yourself. You have to say, what do I value the most? What, what, what drives like enjoyment in my life and work backwards from there instead of what you think society should do like or what some society tells you you should do and like how you should manage it i think you have to start from like the principle of what is valuable to me i think there are some really common sense things that you should do you should save for a rainy day you should invest wisely like with a percentage of your money the exact percentages i don't i'm not a money manager so i can't tell you but like there are some real good rules around that. I think you can read books about that um, and figure out what makes sense there. But then beyond that, I think it's like, what do you value? What do you care about? Do you care about going out to eat? Great. Like spend money doing that. You care about going to movies every single month. Great. Spend money on doing that. Like things that you value. Don't just wait, you know, don't wait for until you're old and can't enjoy certain things like that. Um, allocate things, you know, the money to the things you value. But don't you think that, like, um, entrepreneurship starts, like, from this, like, uh, money management stuff? Do you mean it's different in that? Um, I'm sorry, what do, you, what do you mean by that? For me, freedom is like um, being free from uh, conception. More, I'm, like, distant from buying things or like having my pleasure is outside and my me for me this is a real freedom and an internship is one of the formats of freedom and uh when we start working for example as an employee and we don't spend much or we don't spend a lot of things we start building this like uh, 
savings that let us the opportunity to go and try internship. Don't you think? Yeah, it definitely affords you that that luxury. I mean, that mm. was what kickstarted my journey many years ago was doing the wedding photography and saving up enough money so that we could do that. We could take a risk. And then in regards to freedom, there's different ways to get to there. One is either you can earn more money and then you can choose what you work on and when you work on it. Um, and the way to break out of a ceiling of, of how much money you can make is through entrepreneurship. Um, and then the other aspect of this is frugality so that you can take either sides, either or, either and. Um, and frugality is another way to financial freedom that people can pursue, you know, and you don't, you don't, you can do this at various levels. You don't have to restrain yourself to a place where like you're not doing anything at all. But I think both of those ways are avenues to freedom. Um, Completely. Yeah, frugality or through, you know, building a business or, you know, a place where you don't have capped uh, earning potential. Interesting. Anyway, our serious um, part of the episode is um, finished. Now we still have two parts. The first one, we'll ask ChatGPT to propose three infantile questions, but we will take uh, three random. Just let me write to ChatGPT one second. I have the questions. You have to choose from uh, three numbers from one to ten, please. Three numbers, one to ten. Uh, yeah. Two, four, and seven. Very complicated one. The f two is: Can you provide a brief overview of your business financial performance over the past few years? My business performance over the last few days, did you say, or last few years? Years. Oh, Same years. Way. Well, I sold my business a couple of years ago, so the actual financial performance of the business is healthy, but I do not know exactly where it stands today. The business that I run in, in terms of my own book of business around helping people sell their businesses, profitable, growing, uh, you know, busy. I, I don't know how else to, to kind of share that. I will ask something. Are you enjoying it? Oh, yeah. I love okay. it. That's perfect for me. This is the most important thing, the most important part. You choose four. How do you envision the future growth potential of your business? How do I envision the growth? In the future, I hope to have more people that are uh, have similar values but different skills and strengths that I can build a team and own, um, hopefully, like multiple successful software or service businesses. And to me, successful means profitable, growing and able to serve both the employees and uh, the team well, as well as the people that we serve. So it doesn't have to be billions of dollars. It just needs to be sustainable and something that, um, you know, people, a place where we can all do really good work together. Actually, the most important is sustainability for me. It's very important, actually. This is what creates really the, the la boule de neige. How can you say it in English? I don't know. The seventh one, how is your business currently positioned in the industry and what are the potential risks and challenges it may face in the near future? I think the most interesting one that I own right now uh, that has some challenges and ways positioned right now is called uh, ChatterDocs and that's an AI chatbot tool. Helps you build custom chatbots with on top of uh, ChatGPT with your own data. 
the challenge there and the risk there is that there will be a feature added to ChatGPT or you know another uh, you know Google or one of the main providers. I saw even Apple is creating their own version right now. That would make everything that we're building obsolete. That's the biggest risk. Yeah. Um, and then I, I didn't catch the other aspect of the question. Second part was like, um, it's my face in the near future and you answered correctly on the answer. Thank you very much, um, John. My last section is the most, the, the one I enjoyed more. And it's uh, quick questions. It's 10 quick questions. And you, you're going to tell me, what do you prefer? Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you prefer in person or virtual? In person. Short term or long term? Long term. Individual or team? Team. Innovative or traditional? Inventive. Los Angeles or Dubai? Wisconsin. I don't know, like where I am. Where I am today. <laughs> so no, I mean, I, 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 neither one of those is, are particularly interesting to me, but um, I guess Dubai just to, to get out. Yeah, I think Dubai is good. Actually, what I like in Dubai is safety. Like You can just like let your phone on the table and you go back and find it. And this is enjoyable. Next one was, they prefer summer or winter? Summer. Winters are too long here. Winter. I like summer. Pizza or burger? Pizza. Coffee or tea? Coffee. The tea, you know that like, no one of my all guests chose tea. I think you will delete this question. <laughs> yeah, no, no tea for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, occasionally. But... I like tea actually, green tea with some mint. I like it. books or movies. Books. Which are early morning or late at night. Probably neither, but if I had to choose uh, early morning, like if I could convince my body to do it, early morning. Thank you very much, John. I really enjoyed our episode. I hope you did. And I hope that uh, our listeners and uh, the people uh, watching us on YouTube uh, are enjoying it. Thank you very yeah, much for being great here. Chatting. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, ciao, ciao. All right. Cheers. Bye.